And welcome, friends, to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson, your host with you. And so much of our ministry is encouraging folks to family economy. And effectively, we want to train our children to be good stewards of God's world. That's what he calls us to. God owns everything. He owns the world. But he has given us property. He's given us resources. He's given us the things that we're to steward for him. And that's one of the principles we want to bring to application on this edition of the program. And especially in the area of agriculture. Wow, the entire world was based in agriculture for nine to 5,940 years until the last 60 years. And of course, everything's going really, really well now. So there's no need to get interested in agriculture again, except for the fact that things aren't going that well. Okay, so one of the very important aspects of the family economy is to be sure we have something for our children. Our young boys, 10 years of age, absolutely need to have something going on besides schoolwork and computer games. Uh, So what we need is an outlet in which we're doing productive labor, and that uh, occurs in the context of a family economy. Uh, It turns out four companies control 80% of the U.S. beef supply, and before 1940, uh, some 45% of the nation's food was grown in backyards. Today, it's only, well, 2% of the population is uh, doing the farming work And uh, on top of that, we're losing 24 billion tons of soil to erosion every year. So, hey, we need to all know something about where our food comes from, and uh, let's contribute something to it. Well, today I'm going to be looking at this neat little book called The Basics of Raising Sheep on Pasture, and this is written by the shepherdess. And uh, my guest today is the shepherdess, and you can find her at shepherdess.com. So we're excited to have Grace Leak here. She is the author of this book, The Basics of Raising Sheep on Pasture. That's a beautiful book. Grace, this is beautiful. <laughs> you know, this, this is, uh, this is a, something that our children would be very interested in. Actually, my grandkids have gone through this already. <laughs> so, and they're two, three, four years of age. So, right. you know, it's, it's a neat little book. I guess you've constructed it not just for, you know, professional shepherding but you've uh, prepared this for families i guess haven't you yeah in a sense in a sense i kind of met people where we were at six years ago as a family just getting into sheep for the first time really just getting into agriculture for the first time we sort of had this happy go lucky feeling you know we would just buy these sheep and watch them enjoy the pasture and we just we were oblivious to just basically the basics of husbandry because animal husbandry is really a necessary component mm. Mm-hmm. And so you started this some six years ago. Why, why did you get into it? Why did you get into shepherding? So in 2017, my family and I moved from sort of suburban America, right between Austin and San Antonio, Texas, to the deep country of Northeast Texas. Um, we did so because we wanted more space. We wanted land. We wanted the ability to be a little bit more self-sufficient. So we bought 30 acres and there was an agricultural exemption on the land to, you know, basically tax exemption. And we wanted to buy something to maintain that. And we thought sheep would be a good idea because they're small. Um, it's better for a family for all of those true reasons. Um, and that's really why we bought the sheep in the first place. So you've been working on 30 acres for that length of time. 
What's the size of the herd? The size of the herd is around 40 adult moms. That's about mm. where we're at right now. Okay. Okay. So you were excited about jumping into this new mm-hmm. challenge. Was it hard? Was it a difficult thing from the outset? I was not excited, actually. Uh, my background oh. is in marketing. Oh, really? So I kind of neglected mm-hmm. the family farm for three years. I buried myself in my work. And I actually, to confess a bad attitude, I just thought it was a very bad idea to to buy these animals and to raise them. Um, but ultimately, what happened was in 2020, it was kind of, I think, a heart change the Lord worked out in me through using, I guess, what, a lot of what we saw in 2020. Um, we saw headlines. We saw two different kinds of headlines. Number one was food shortages. You know, nobody can get food at the grocery stores. But then there was a parallel headline, and it was millions of pounds were beef, pork, chicken, meat in general was being just euthanized before it could, because it just essentially could not be stuffed through this bottleneck that we have in our food production system. And I realized seeing those two side by side, we did not have food shortages. We had basically a firsthand look at a complete systemic collapse. And I think we talk in terms of stewardship, maybe with our physical resources, but I think we're also stewards of the knowledge that we're given and the experiences we have the opportunity to see. And so I realized that I was now a steward of knowledge, that I needed to use the resources I had to produce a solution, if not for myself, for um, just my family and my community. And I realized I had the resources in these sheep and in this land to do that. I guess to sort of give a little bit of a backstory on the flock, it was basically a struggle from the moment we bought them because we just, we expected them to be a little bit more passive a form of agriculture or food production than they were. And really it's, it's sheep need a shepherd. They need somebody that's dedicated to their care to be productive. And um, I just decided to step in and, and undertake that on behalf of my family. Hmm. Did you see yourself changing in any way as you moved out of say a corporate job and, and worked in the area of agriculture? I would say it takes a lot of humility to step into that particular realm. Mm -hmm. But I would also say that I I didn't really step out of anything. A big part of my model in um, agriculture is to create economically viable agricultural marketing models, if that makes sense. Agriculture is failing because, you know, we need the marketing models and the business models to develop as quickly as, as they develop in Silicon Valley. But farmers are still using the same systems from 1940. They haven't moved into any kind of innovation with marketing. And so marketing is my gift. And in a small way, the Lord's used what I know to help other people in agriculture to um, to just be more profitable on their farms. What What is the benefit to sheep, say, over cows or chicken or anything else you might do in agriculture? Mm-hmm. So with chickens, a lot of people will go for chickens first, but the inputs required to sustain chickens are very high. You've got to buy in pretty much 100% of their feed. The advantage of sheep is that if you have grass and forage, they can basically live off of the land. You know, if we were to have a collapse and you couldn't get chicken feed tomorrow, your chickens are going to die, but your sheep are going to be fine as long as the grass is growing. As far as the benefits over cows, most of us are working with small acreage. Most of the people that are buying my book are working on, you know, anywhere from three to 30 acres. You need three acres for one cow, whereas on three acres, you could run a small flock of five to seven sheep. So just the flexibility in the animal size, you can really generate a good protein source for your family 
on a small acreage. So on 30 acres, you could foreseeably do 100 to 200 sheep. Yeah, that's my goal is to have 100 mm-hmm. breeding ewes ultimately. Okay. And and uh, wh- where's the profit? Where's the, the profit? Profitability, the profitability right now is in direct-to-consumer marketing. So that's really where I talk a lot. And that was my experience before jumping into agriculture. So I built a direct-to-consumer marketing model for my sheep meat. And also what I do is I will sell micro like starter flocks to other homesteads. So I'll provide them with the ram and a couple of ewes that they need to get off and going to start their own small-scale enterprise. Okay. Um, benefits, um, the things you've enjoyed about mm-hmm. shepherding over these, what, four to six years? So probably firsthand is that you get to see scripture in a new dimension and you get to understand the patience that the Lord has towards us and the love that he has towards us. You know, there are days that I'm at my wit's end with respect to the nature of these animals because they're, they're sometimes rebellious. But at the same time, I would do almost anything to make sure that they are well. And so that's been a really, really neat perspective. And just the discipline and the, I guess, the situational awareness that you develop when you're working with 40 animals all at once and you have to be watching for for various problems. So those are the two things. Mm-hmm. So sheep can be difficult, I guess. That's one of the things you discovered is they're not always right. cooperative. And uh, I guess right. they have to get used to the shepherd. Is that correct? They do. They do. And the more time that you spend together, it's it's a neat thing, but the more time you spend together, they learn me and they learn what my movements and my behavior means as much as I learn them. So it's a really neat thing to see that mutual relationship develop. Well, let's talk about some of the specifics. I mean, you, you cover so much in the book and you talk about the food, you talk about uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the reproduction and, and so forth. Let's, let's go through this just a little bit. What do you need to do to get started in terms of laying out the, the field? I guess you need to fence it in, don't you? Right, yeah. Sheep are yeah. a little more likely to stay in, in inside of the uh, the pasture as opposed to cows? No, no. Really? It's kind of that okay. scripture, all we like sheep have gone astray. If they can find a spot to escape, they will escape. Mm-hmm. So you need to, in getting sheep, the very first consideration, it needs to be containment. Mm-hmm. So make sure you've got good fencing. If you go for electric, make sure it's a very good, powerful electric fencing system. But containment needs to be your number one consideration. Okay. Okay. And in terms of feed, I guess you got to, it's it's almost exclusively grass. It can be almost exclusively grass for sheep. But in my book, I do have a whole chapter dedicated to um, the types of feed. If you want to get into grain, the types of to provide them and when to provide it for them. What sort of sheep would you choose? And, you know, how do you make that determination? So right now, there is a big shift towards what is called a hair sheep. Um, the unfortunate thing is that wool has basically lost its value on a commodity level. So unless you are going to spin the fibers yourself, um, it's just a cost. But with hair sheep, they shed their coat annually. So you don't have the difficulty of doing that. So I would recommend a hair sheep. And I would go for a meat sheep. I have a dorper sheep myself. And that's D-O-R-P-E-R. And they are a meat sheep. The second breed I would recommend would be a Katahdin sheep. And that's just another meat sheep that's more of a mid-size. The Dorpers I run are, are big, bigger sheep. Hmm. You say that 40% of your lambs died before they hit eight months of age the mm-hmm. first time around. Why is that? Yeah. So the biggest, so the, the first issue you need to consider is containment. And the second issue you need to consider is worms. Um, so anybody out there raising goats or maybe has had a little experience with sheep themselves, 
worms and controlling parasites is a big deal for flock owners, far above what cow owners would experience. And so I really emphasize a good grazing practices. Um, you know, you also think of sheep in terms of the landscapes, whether in the Middle East or whatever, and they're constantly being moved across the landscape. Well, this is as much for their health as anything. And so I've sort of created in this book a section where I give people the capacity, it's called rotational grazing, to basically set up and simulate that constant movement structure on a small acreage. And that really is critical for their health and for keeping those worms from essentially killing off half of your flock in one season. Is there any way to treat them if they start to get worms or some other disease? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I have, um, again, in the very back of the book is an entire chapter on just when to treat and what to treat with different kinds of options we have to get rid of those worms in our sheep and the important timeframes in which you want to um, deworm, basically. What are the sorts of things that you have to do on a daily basis? To, I mean, how much time is required for grazing sheep and raising these sheep? Yeah. So I put a lot of emphasis on efficiency in systems. Um, so at this point in time, it takes me about an hour per day to manage my flock, and that includes the rotational grazing program. So I will move my sheep to a new paddock of grass regularly, and that one hour per day basically allows me to constantly keep them in that rotational grazing system. Reproduction, what are you looking for in terms of reproduction, you know, in any given year? I mean, I guess you have so so many uh, female sheep and so many male sheep yeah. and so forth. Uh, how, how do you manage that? Yeah, so your goal is about 1.5 lambs per ewe, and that's going to come in a variety of twins and singles. Okay. Um, but basically, on a flock of 40 ewes, you want to see 60 lambs per year. And that's when the workload really does intensify. There's about a two- or three-month time frame when you are um, lambing and getting those lambs off to market, selling them to customers, um, where, it's, where it's pretty intense. And the workload probably goes from that casual one hour per day to maybe a three- or four-hour day. Oh, really? What's involved in lambing? So lambing, you need to just watch your ewes. Some of them will need assistance. Some of them will not, but you want to make sure you're kind of on on call as sort of a midwife in case there are problems. Um, another one is just managing the health needs of that lamb as grow. They're exceptionally fast growing lambs. Um, that's that's one of their huge advantages, but you got to make sure and watch them to catch problems early on because as fast as they grow, as fast as they grow, they can go and die mm, just as fast. Right. Are our sheep more vulnerable to, to, to dying than, say, other animals? I'd say yes, because just by nature of their size. I mean, you have a seven-pound lamb born out in the middle of the pasture rather than a 70 or 100-pound cow. So just by nature of their size, they are a little bit more fragile. Mm. You, you have a section on the gross things that you have to confront as a shepherdess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess you're going to get your hands dirty. And you got to be okay with that, right? You do, and it kind of feels good. I mean, I'm, I'm someone that came from a background where I never encountered these kinds of things firsthand. Um, but I think when the Lord gives you the grace to do something and takes you through it, I mean, just how you feel on the back end is just really good. So don't be scared off by that chapter. Yeah. Well, any other encouragement you would give a family of, say, five acres, eight, 10, 20 acres, and they need to do something with it, what other encouragement would you give them? Yeah, absolutely. Do something, but start small. I mean, you don't have to bite off a big chunk all at once. You can start with two sheep, see how you like it. You can start with 10 
chickens, see how you like it. But I would encourage people with resources to utilize them and to figure out how to maximize them. You know, the crux of my book and the crux of my messaging is not go out and buy a big farm and start a big farm. My crux is to really look around at the resources you have, whether it's a front yard or a backyard, and really ultimately seek the Lord on how you can maximize those resources. Because I believe we are at a place where there are more underutilized resources mm-hmm. at our disposal than, than we can even begin to reckon. You believe there's a market for sheep? I mean, that, that we could use an additional 50,000 small farms raising sheep in America. I would say yes, but I would say that that, that needs to be approached on a direct-to-consumer model. You mentioned at the beginning of the program the centralized nature of our meatpacking system. There are four companies that control 80% of the United States' meat supply. While All while there is a growing market for people who want farm-to-table products. I mean, there's a desire to have a high-quality farm-to-table product, but the missing element is the farmer who's willing to market and to present those products straight to the audience that's waiting for them, to bypass the system that's basically crushing crushing our, our nation and and just provide those farm-to-table products. How do you do that? Yes. How do you market, Grace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. So I do all of my marketing on a digital marketing basis, which is perfect for me. I can work it from my farm without leaving my farm. So I have a newsletter, an email newsletter, okay. that I have used various social media platforms to build into. And once a year, I will take orders on my sheep through that newsletter. Being it's a small flock, I just have one lamb crop and one sales event per year. And actually, the amazing thing is, and this is by God's grace, but I'm just three years into agriculture. All of my sheep sold out in four minutes last year. Four minutes. There's a a market for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, through my newsletter, and I have demand for probably four or five more. So yes, the answer is absolutely yes. You just need to be willing to uh, to market. Are you profitable? Do you think you're profitable? Three years in, I'm still paying down some of the initial costs, but mm-hmm. yes, there is a ton of profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I really, really emphasize is choosing a quality product and marketing for that premium pricing, and then using that newsletter stream to really diversify throughout the year. So I've been able to basically... I'm actually getting ready to post a video about this, but revenues went from zero to about $100,000 on my small farm and in my small farm business within that three-year period through diversification. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody comes to me and buys a sheep. Well, they have more needs than just that one sheep. So thinking of different ways that you can really plug in to the needs of your customer is going to allow your revenue to really, really become something that can even sustain a small family on a small acreage. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that's encouraging. It's really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you. Thanks for joining us. And friends, this is a super helpful uh, manual. I mean, this is It's a nice four-color, almost coffee table type of book. It was, at, at the very least, it's going to be entertaining. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's so much in this, in this book. It's called The Basics of Raising Sheep on Pasture by the Shepherdist. And you can get it at shepherdist.com on the internet. And my guest today has been Grace Leak, who has, you know, not just presented a book, but she's actually lived this out and proved it to be a viable concept. So I hope this has been encouraging to our listening audience today. Uh, this is just one particular application of a family economy and to be a, a proper steward to God's resources 
And so for more information on this, friends, it's shepherdess.com. Thanks, Grace. Appreciate you joining us today on Generations. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And you have been listening to the Generations Radio Broadcast. If you'd like to interact with the radio program, email me directly at hostofkevinswanson.com. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 